Hello and welcome back to the Premier League Nightclub for episode 4. We've got a bit of a jam-packed episode for you today with a few new segments joining us. But to start things off, it's been a bit of an interesting week for us, hasn't it, Woody? I mean, we had our first outing as a, as a little Premier League nightclub, didn't we? Yeah, we did, Sammy. We headed to Marsland. Can we, can we plug the name? We can plug the name. Uh, we, were, we headed to Marsland to talk to the, the Year 10 boys about uh, their podcast project and how we sort of started up yeah. and gave them a few tips about... I guess the production we have here at the Premier League nightclub and and what they can sort of take into it doing their projects. Yeah, so thanks to Marcelin for having us and the fifty dollar vouchers they both gave us. I mean, I don't know if our advice was that good, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Hopefully, we did a good job. Are you gonna put it to a mic, Sam? What? Are you gonna put that money towards a mic? I know. I might, I might have to make a business investment with that. Put, like like put, what? Put it to the mic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, moving on, Woody, do you want to just give us a quick rundown of Match Week 2's results? Yeah, sure thing. Let's get stuck into it. So, Arsenal beat Burnley 2-1. Brighton drew with West Ham 1-all. Norwich down Newcastle 3-1 thanks to a Timo Pukki hat-trick. City and Tottenham drew 2-all. Chelsea and Leicester drew 1-all. Southampton lost to Liverpool 2-1. Everton down Watford 1-0. Bournemouth beat Villa 2-1. Sheffield secured their first win of the season, 1-0 against Crystal Palace. And the last game of the round, Wolves United drew 1-0. So once again, uh, interesting match week has gone past. Is there anything anything that sort of stood out in particular for you this week? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me this week was something that dominated the headlines during the weekend, especially after that City-Tottenham game was the VAR and its inclusion in the league this season. For me, it was pretty big because obviously it ruled out Gabriel Jesus' 94th minute winner um, yeah. at the Etihad. And then from there, you know, there's just so much media uproar about its inclusion and whether it destroys the ethos of the game and whether it's human or is it machine anymore. So, yeah, I just it just sort of forced me to question a little bit whether it should be included in the game. Well, yeah, I mean, especially in this circumstance, because it is unique where Laporte didn't deliberately have his hand out. It was completely an accident. And we know that if it is an accident, normally the handball isn't sort of judged a handball simply. But in this instance, because the hand or the arm per se got in the way and deviated the ball without intention and City scored from it, it was then, therefore, classified as a no-goal. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But with that being said, do you... I answer this question for me because I read a lot of these sort of questions on Twitter. Do you think the game is better or worse with or without VAR? Me, personally, I don't like the idea of not having VAR. I think if the technology is there, it should be used because think about it. Yeah, we talk about having human element of the game and we we don't mind having the mistakes in this case and yada 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 and it's about the ethos of the game and it's becoming too technical now but if points are being decided for the Premier League and there's things that are being missed when the technology is there to get it 100% right 
then I think absolutely we need to have the VAR to correct that. Why would we put extra pressure on the refs to make these big calls in these big moments, in these big games that can be title-deciding games? That's the beauty of the game, though. It is the beauty of the game, but it depends on what side of the stick you're on. Because, honestly, like, City are looking at it now being like, damn, like, VAR's ruining the game because it's too technical, it's too this, too that. You look at Tottenham, Tottenham skewed a point because of it. So it de- And it was the right call in the end. It was technically the right call. And I think that... With making the right calls, it'll even itself out, and City will get one later mm. in the season that helps them. Okay, yeah, I understand it. it, it the, the principle is that it'll balance out. The principle is that it will balance well, it's out. More, it's more. It doesn't even need to balance out, really. It just needs to mean that the call is right. And I'm all for fairness and getting the decision right. And if the decision is not right, then it should have the ability. But the climax to be changed. of the game was completely ruined. It was ruined, but then again. And just, just so we're clear, I'm not, I'm not advocating that VAR shouldn't be in place. I just think the situation that it was used during that game destroyed the feel of the game. Because, because City had 30 shots during the game. Tottenham, three. Yep. Okay, Sydney dominated the whole game. And even though they deserved to win on the merit of the game, they didn't. Because of VAR. And I'm not saying VAR should change because of the emotion or the outcome of what the game should have been or one team should have won. One team should have lost, depending on stats. All I'm saying is the human element of the game is gone. So why would we even have refs if VAR is there? What's the point? Because VAR is not used for every single decision. So, but VAR, it may as well may as well should be. No, I, well, but going back to your thing about the thirty shots to three, then City have not converted enough if they've had thirty shots and dominated the game that much. They can't be blaming the VAR. Yeah, it, it, people will say that it ruined the merit of the game. It didn't ruin the merit of the game because it happened in the 94th minute and it was still a great game before that. So you can't say that it ruined the entire game because it didn't. City missed their chances. They had a lot of chances. They didn't They didn't convert. It was their fault that they lost and they can't blame the VAR for making drew, the right call. They drew. Or they, the fact yeah, that they drew. Uh, you know yeah, what I'm talking about. They win about. the game, yeah. They, I'm looking at this game for City as they've lost two points yeah. instead of game one. one. Okay. So I'm um, in my eyes they've lost. Yeah. But I can't I don't think that's their I don't think that's the VAR's fault. I think the VAR was brought in to do a job and it's upholding that and it's doing a good job and if the fans are annoyed then fair enough, but there's a bunch of Tottenham fans at White Hart Lane who are raving about it. So what do you take? Yeah, you're right. And I think the the good point you brought up was that there's two sides of the stick. So obviously City fans will be in uproar and Tottenham fans will be laughing because they secured that point. Absolutely. And I think one issue that also came up from this week that doesn't have two sides to the stick is the racism that's currently going on in the Premier League and some of the biggest stars in the game being subjected to some of these horrible comments, yeah. especially through social media, through some perhaps trolls, but also real fans. It's just it's just cowardice, really, when you look at it. A lot of these people aren't even brave enough to put a real their real name to their comment. And you look at what's happened to Pogba and what is trending at the moment is uh, it's, it's disgusting and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be happening. And I'm really big on that. And also the fact that everyone in the United community, the players, staff, proper real fans, are all rallying behind him to stamp it out because as a society we know that racism isn't tolerable. And it's still sad to see it in 2019 going on to such a world-class player in Paul Pogba. And not even just Pogba, but... Even younger players like younger Tammy players Abraham, like Tammy Abraham. just coming into the league. Um, not coming into the league, but you know, just featuring really for big clubs and then to be subjected to this by, to, by fans. It's, 
it's hurtful and uh, no yeah. doubt it would take an impact on these players Absolutely. and have a toll. And I'm all for criticism. Like, Pogba should have made that penalty. You, There will be, you know, it's just a, it's a penalty. They're not supposed to miss. But, hey, they're human. They make mistakes. Pot them for missing the penalty. But there is absolutely no grounds to make a racist claim on that. So mm. it was distressing to see the fact that it was that people can be so vile. And I hope that going forward, FIFA as a whole organisation can do more. And even the social channels like Twitter and things like that should up their, up their security. I don't know if security is the right word, but their tolerance and yep. get rid of it. You're dead right there, Sammy. And I think that's also a good point to lead into for our segments for this week. Well, yeah, on a more positive note, uh, we're going to go looking into winners and losers. So we're both going to choose a winner and loser of the week as we did last week. And then we're just going to go into a couple of games that we thought were quite interesting over the weekend. So we're going to we're going to hone the focus onto the Chelsea and Leicester game because we thought Woody absolutely thought that was one of the best games of the weekend. He really enjoyed watching that. And then I'm going to have a look into the Arsenal and Burnley game and talk a bit about Arsenal and where they're at at the moment. But uh, for to start things off, Woody, who was your winner of the week? Well, Samuel, my winner of the week were the Wolves. They drew one all with Manchester United thanks to a Ruben Neves wonder strike. That was a hit and a half. And actually, a fun fact for you, Ruben Neves, out of the 13 goals he scored for the Wolves in the Premier League, 10 of them have been outside of the box. So He's, Yeah, I, I was watching the, the highlights of that game, and when he seemed to get on the ball, the fans already they were starting to get rowdy even before he hit it. They obviously bit of a cult hero down there and they know what to expect from him outside outside the box. Yeah, he's he's definitely a, a defining player for them in this season. But for me, Wolves were huge because uh, last last week they had a nil-all draw against Leicester, which was a little bit problematic. I reckon they could have come away with the win. Um, but then also to grab two points, uh, to steal two points off Manchester United this week was huge because last season they were notorious for stealing points off big six teams. Especially and Manchester United. Especially Manchester United, exactly. And last season, they stole 17 points off the top six. But I guess the more defining aspect of their games last season that defined where they finished in terms of position on the ladder was that they lost 17 points to the eventual bottom six in the league. Mm-hmm. So if they are able to, I guess, turn around those 17 points and maybe grab 10 of those... They will fulfill my prediction. They will finish sixth or within the top six. It's a big call. And a fun fact for all you people out there, that Damon was actually at that game and he got on the screen, the TV. Yep, for full-time Actually, if, for those that don't know Damon, he's some bloke that used to um, be on the podcast with us and yeah. then left us two weeks Yeah, ago. so when he gets back, more than half of these podcasts will not feature him. Yeah, so um, yeah ripped to him but anyway yeah so he was on the tv there and then he hunted down the cameraman after the game for the full-time devils <laughs> try to go full expert there <laughs> and he, if you haven't if, if you have any any interest go and look up full-time devils or we'll post it on our socials we'll post it on well. our socials damon takes the approach that he's a genuine genius because he's got a <laughs> podcast now and tries to, just watch the facial expression the facial well. expression he just he's like oh nah it's funny it's something that has to be seen absolutely but moving on from that Woody Sammy who is your winner of the week so my 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 winner came down at Canaryland with uh Norwich <laughs> <laughs> with Norwich <laughs> I like the Canaries yeah, I'm, a, on, fan. I'm a fan I'm a fan so Norwich the 3-1 three, three victory was massive but even more massive for them was Pookie now, this Pookie lad, I'll tell you what, he's in some stellar form. And when you compare him and Newcastle's new signing in Jolerton, it's quite interesting to see that Jolerton's come over for a fee of $40 million and he's been absolutely pantsed by <laughs> Pookie. Now, this lad, 
has actually scored 33 goals since the start of last season, the most across any of the top four leagues in England, which is just a phenomenal effort and something that is gonna is gonna keep the Norwich supporters hanging in throughout this season. And you know they're not even gonna be hanging in because they are looking a lot better than we all predicted them to be. So it's quite interesting. He's 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 up there with the golden boot with uh, Sterling at the moment. So this is exciting times for Big Pook. Yeah, you reckon, Sammy? I like him. You're calling it very early. Carrow Road was buzzing, mate. It was <laughs> buzzing. <laughs> All right, so my loser of the week, uh, loser of the week was Watford. Watford City. They have secured zero points from their first two games this season, and are looking like they're in a bit of a dilemma, considering where they set their standards for <laughs> last season and this season as well. So, Sammy, your loser. My loser is, uh, I touched on it earlier, Manchester City. I mean, they've given up two points at home to Tottenham, which Tottenham are a formidable outfit, don't get me wrong, but it was the way in which they lost. I mean, we know about the VAR, but I'm more interested in the fact that they dominated the game, dominated possession. 30 shots to 30 three. shots to three. They should have They should have capitalised more, and even with the extraordinary efforts of Kevin De Bruyne and his two assists, I mean, that man, I'm looking on for my prediction for him for player of the year at the minute, but... Uh, they should have done more. They should have won, and they've cost themselves two points, and Tottenham are walking away happy as well. Bernardo Silva was running a muck on that right wing. He was destroying those Tottenham defenders. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how. They, how did they not net seven, uh, honestly? I'm like, sure, it, sure. It's interesting. But uh, moving on from um, our winners and losers, I know Woody was really interested in the Chelsea and Leicester game. I was, Sammy. I was. Because there's been a bit of discussion about Chelsea as well. I know... Mourinho featured in my Woody's Whip a couple of weeks ago about um, him calling off Lampard pretty early and saying that you know he wasn't Premier League proven and whatnot. But looking at Chelsea again, they have lost points to a, to a Leicester outfit, which realistically was a 50-50 game. And this Leicester's team this season are a good side. And they will most likely push the top eight, um, if not top six. I think some, one of us had them in their top six, maybe Damon, I can't remember. But the, for me, the biggest issue this season is the defensive line because their centre backs are really lucky, and we know with the transfer ban they haven't been, they haven't had the ability to go out and bring someone in or bring in those monsters they have in the past. But looking at that defensive line, as Equator had a shocker, Zuma definitely had another pretty average sort of game. Again, looked shaky, and it's hard to look to this. Um, to their stocks because they don't have many people in the wings waiting to come into the team other than those in the youth team. And I guess that one player that's missing is Antonio Rudiger, who made a successful return to the club's under-23s win over Liverpool on Monday morning. But Rudiger, you know, will be monitored for his knee injury that kept him out, I think, since April last this year. And hopefully he can make the game for the match at Norwich. But for Lampard, he still hasn't got that win since taking over and that pressure is just mounting every single time because he made his Stanford Bridge debut. And although Mason Mount looks a goer, it just seems a like a, yeah, a huge goer, a mate. Goal, he's, mate. A, he's, a, he's a class he's a class bloke. It just seems like their defensive issues is what is going to cost them a lot this they season. Look, they just looked shaky again, didn't they? They did. They did. And I know like they, looked, they did look good in attack. They did. In terms of where that front line man is going to come from, Batshuayi, Giroud, or Tammy Abraham... Not really sure. Hopefully, Abraham can it restore is, his form. It's very tough for Lampard, and I know we touched on it in one of the previous episodes. But he's coming to a pretty. He's he's not coming to a Chelsea team of four or five, even two years ago. He's he's got the transfer ban. 
He can't buy the players that he would like to have. He's lost his best player. Is there? Are we being too hard on Chelsea because they honestly like? Where do we really expect them to finish? And how how can Lampard get the most out of this? What is a young team, young, inexperienced in a lot of ways as well? How well, can similar to Lampard, young and inexperienced in yeah, terms exactly. of his managerial career? Absolutely. So we can't. I'm not sure if we're expecting too much of Chelsea at the minute. But then again, being a top six club and being a previous powerhouse top six club. It, it, the pressure's always going to come because their supporters are demanding more. I, I, had, I didn't really buy into this Lampard hatred, um, and nor do I now, but the question can still be asked, is, is he the right man for the job? Because he was a manager of a Derby County team and he failed to lead them to promotion, and now he's just come in to Chelsea. Do you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know enough about the background to the Lampard getting the role, but... Could it be romantic more than uh, to, more like could could they have done it more with their heart more than their head? Because as you said, he's inexperienced. He didn't lead Derby to any titles or anything like that. Yeah. What what was the main reason Lampard got the job? And I'm not sure if that is Chelsea, the whole narrative behind their their favourite son coming back home, or if there was more than that to it. Which you'd think there'd be more than that to it. But then again, as we're seeing in the first two weeks. There's not a lot to hang your head high about if you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah, I think you're just going to have to stick in there and, and hope for the best for this season. And all credit to a lesser team, and they probably could have won the game. I know it was, it was actually a tale of two halves. Chelsea could have been 3-0 up in the first half, and Leicester could have sunk 3 or 4 in the second half. But for me, the biggest thing was that disconnect between the midfield and the back line. And I say back line because the, the two um, centre-backs being Zuma and Azpilicueta and Christensen as well, um, they just don't look like they cover the space or they don't look like they connect well with Jorginho in the midfield. And it was that James Madison and um, Perez really sunk behind the lines and were able to feed Vardy. And if Vardy had clipped you know, his left foot behind a few more of those shots, he would they would have been two or three goals better off in the second half. Yeah. So for me, it's a little bit worrying seeing... Those gaps show so early. And yep. Lampard did say something about it in his post-game presser. He said that we can only look towards ourselves so far early on in the season and we need to improve defensively. But I just can't see how they're going to tighten up without losing what little attacking flair they've got at the yeah. moment. It, it, it's, it's a tough... It's going to be a tough year for Chelsea. I mean, we, we didn't have them high in our top six. You guys didn't have them at all. So... We'll have to just see how the how the year plays out for them, and hopefully they can retain a bit of form and get their fans up and about for something. Yeah. Well, credit to Leicester as well. By no means a yeah. Chelsea a weak team, but not not by no means a Leicester a weak team either. Exactly. You know? so, Especially with Perez and Madison coming and in the season they had. Yes. Tielemans boss huge. that boss that midfield is a good battle with Kante. Yeah, absolutely. Go head to head. With that being said, also I'll park this Chelsea discussion. I know <laughs> it's gonna probably gonna come up in the next few weeks and especially throughout the season and I know Sammy you wanted to talk about the Arsenal Burnley game well yeah it's an interesting one with the Arsenal Burnley game because this funnily enough is the first time since 2009 that Arsenal have actually won the first two games of the Premier League in a row wow which yeah wow <laughs> which which is actually pretty crazy from a top from a consistently top six side to not win the first two games of the year for 10 years. That's nuts. I would not have picked that at all. Yeah, it's absurd. It's a crazy start, and I couldn't believe it when I heard it. But I think a large part of that and Arsenal being able to get the job done this year came from Danny Sabellos. Is inclusion. We actually, I think we pronounce it Cabellos. 
in the off season when he came yeah. on loan. It's Sebelos. 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 Yeah, he had two cracker assists in his two family. cracker assists. Bossed the midfield. He was he was listed as a number ten coming in, but he ended up playing pretty much every midfield role throughout the game, which <laughs> was real, which was really pleasing to see. If, if you're an Arsenal fan, he was um really took control and of the midfield. And additionally to Sebelos, David Luiz made his first start for the Gunners, which uh, he looked good as well. He looked solid, like what he brought to Chelsea all those years, and. He, he's going to be he's really important to shoring up the Arsenal defensive stocks going forward because we know that they had a lot of issues. But now if you look at that back line going forward, you've got Tierney, Louise, Socrates and Bellerin. And yeah. that's a much, much stronger back line than they've had in the past previous years, which is really, really promising for them. But moving forward onto the game... Arsenal just looked fluid. They just looked like they were moving the ball well. They were when they were going to attack, they were constantly trying to attack and look for openings against Burnley. And this resulted in a two-one victory where Aubameyang scored an absolute banger, and so did Lacazette. And I was actually extremely impressed with Lacazette's goal. I thought his body strength to turn around, turn the defender. I'm not quite sure who the defender was off the top of my head, but buried him down. It was like a it was like a original center forward type stand yeah, and deliver nuts. goal. It was it awesome. Was, it was pretty class. And I guess one flag as well, Aubameyang scored in both games this season. I think he's very underrated and underheralded for his efforts for Hugely Arsenal. Hugely underrated. He he is since joining their club, he is the second most he has scored the second most goals behind Mo Salah. And we all know how much praise Mo Salah got, especially last year when he came to the Premier League. Aubameyang has been going almost at the same rate. I don't know how he's flying under the radar so much do as well. You, do you think it, it comes... This is going to sound bad, but do you think it comes to Arsenal being one of the more irrelevant top six teams of late? Uh, I think they're definitely a team that doesn't have the controversy surrounding them as much as other teams have had in the last few seasons. Absolutely. So I think that's why he would maybe fly under the radar, but... I yeah, just to the extent that he has is probably a little bit unfair. Yeah, I reckon absolutely. I reckon as well. He's he's a he's a genuine superstar, and he he deserves way more credit than what he's getting. And imagine what that Arsenal front three is going to be like when Pepe is fully fit and well, yeah, game Pe- fit. Pepe, I'm pretty sure Pepe Pepe came on and he looked good yeah. as well. But when he when those three Laka, Alba, and Pepe are all firing. And starting, they're going to be electric. And I think all of a sudden, probably... all of a sudden, they're looking like a formidable force because Ganduzi's playing well. Uh, yeah, Sabellos is a massive inclusion. That's to the a team. bit bittersweet though, because he will not stay past this season. We hope if we hope we're going to keep him in the Premier League. Although he's, I know he's expressed his interest to leave, and he doesn't yeah. want to be at Arsenal for a long time. But who knows, mate? Maybe the Gunners could get building something. He's class though. He's, he's very class. good player. He's a he's a yeah. bo- he's a Boston and he really has filled that Ramsey role as the well. Two, the two main Spanish inclusions to the Premier League this year and Rodri and Sabellas have had big impacts in the short yeah. space of time they've been here already. I mean, we, we know Rodri's been a huge, huge... And arguably, just going back to that City game, I thought Rodri should have got a penalty for that. He should have. He got robbed, mate. He got, he got absolutely, absolutely robbed. robbed. Where was the VAR then? That good, great, yeah. great call, actually, yeah, to be exactly, fair. Exactly, exactly. That's a very interesting... That's actually a completely new can of worms we might have opened there. It is. I forgot it about is. the whole Rodri incident until uh, until just then. But going back to Arsenal and, and the way they're playing their football at the moment, and we know Burnley were coming off a great game in week one, and it was good that both teams coming in high, high confidence. It was really impressive if you're an Arsenal fan to see Arsenal go ahead, get the three points, move on, and make it six from six. I guess one other game that was huge for us and one that 
really captured social media by storm was the Norwich City Newcastle game. Yeah, oh, I, th- we, I think we should talk about that as well. Yeah, because Timo Puki, the <laughs> unknown man coming to this season, uh, very, very unheralded, has set the Premier League on fire in his first two weeks, hasn't he, Sammy? He absolutely has. He reminds me of... Uh, Oh, it's too early to say, but I was, I was about to say Jamie Vardy areas from 2016, but it's probably a bit early to go with that crow. He um, he's looking he's looking fantastic, and as I said earlier in the podcast, four goals in two games is up there with Sterling, and he's leading his his promoted team strongly, and they've got what is it? They've got four, four points out of a possible six at the moment. Yeah, so far. Question for you. Newcastle. We talked a lot about him in the preseason, and a lot of controversy uh, regarding Mike Ashley and whatnot. How do you think they've fared so far? I think it's a bit of a horror start for Newcastle, if I'm being completely honest. We we know they broke their their transfer fee record. Yeah, for Joe Linton. For Joe Linton, and he he hasn't delivered what they've wanted so far. I mean, we I've said earlier he got absolutely he got outshone by by Pookie on the on the weekend, and us uh, sorry Newcastle will be looking to. Really improved because they they're they're in the I mean, fight they, for relegation at the moment. They only had thirty seven percent possession on the weekend, yeah, and for a side that plays, I guess, so midfield dominant with their three five two that can transition back to the five five in defence, mate, they can't keep possession. It's it's woeful. It is woeful to watch, and they are. It's really hard to see them be so weak in the midfield, especially when they have so many. So it looks like they get clogged at times. And it's a really easy escape because they have those two extra midfielders there. Other teams just, well, I know Norwich, especially on the weekend, just just pass it out through the midfield and they set up through defence. Yeah. So it was pretty easy for them to develop play. Oh, no, I agree. It's definitely alarm bells going on at Newcastle at the moment. If and especially Bruce. With, yeah, with Spurs up next as well. Yeah, it's, they, a, it's going to be another hit for them. They'll be rolling with the punches. Absolutely. I mean, it would be miraculous if they could scab a point off Spurs, but we don't think that's quite likely, do we? Mm, not really. Not really. Well, Especially so, if they can't down a New Norwich team. Not that Norwich is anything to scoff at, but in terms of the quality in the Premier League, they're probably down the second half of the te- second half of the league. They they need to be doing better against Norwich. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. Now, Woody. Just moving on, I know our, I know our transitions have been a bit erratic today, but <laughs> that's because you know we don't have David to bounce off of at the moment. But I want to I want to introduce a new segment. Yeah, do you know you don't know what this is yet, do you? This is off the top. Right. So I want to I think I know what you're going to say as soon as I say this, but I want to introduce a blunder of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a blunder of the week is something Mate. we can only introduce when there something as bad as this has. Is yeah. going to happen. Bit of a shack to a fool. So go on. What what's your blunder of the week? And I I know <laughs> I'm hoping this is what I'm thinking of. So go on, mate. It it literally cannot be anything else <laughs> other than that Adrian pass yeah. out of the out of the keeper's box. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I watching the game, watching the game. I could not believe that. I just could not believe. It. And literally channeling what was his name? Carriers. Carriers from the Champions League final. Now, he's become irrelevant now, and Adrian is going to... Same sort of fate, I reckon, at the well, end of the, the season. The problem with this is that we know Liverpool are yet to win a Premier League title. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're picking scabs. No, no, no. no. Listen, you got to listen here. And I picked them to win the league this year, but it was not likely, because I knew there was going to be some hoodoo, woodoo, whatever... Could this lack of having a goalkeeper depth, could that unravel for them at some point this season and po- potentially cost some crucial points against top six sides? Cause well, Allison was probably the best, best keeper in the league. He was, the absolutely. Best he, oh, keeper in the Champions League as well. Yeah. 
Edison very close behind as well. And uh, probably didn't have his best season, but I think Edison and Allison were very much the top two. And I think without Allison, which you'd almost say Actually, would be mind you, Ed- Edison made a complete blunder against Tottenham as well with yeah. his position. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, I think that you know without Allison, who was probably a top ten player in the league last season, they are oh, man. If Adrian pulls off more stuff like that, yeah, they're they, gonna have some serious. The problem issues. is as well, they don't have a backup. They've got the Middlesbrough keeper. I'm not quite sure what his name is, but. Could this just be one of those things that Liverpool come up with? Could this be their Gerrard slip of 2019? It's mm. just one of those things you don't know, and it's one of those things if you're a Liverpool supporter, you see things like that and you're like, why? And I know they didn't, they didn't drop your points on the game. No, they didn't. But, but stuff like that is where you they weren't playing exactly. They out. weren't exactly playing the best opposition either. And you could just see Van Dijk pass it back to him. And as soon as it happened, Van Dyke just the look on his face was just like, yeah. well, "Oh, I mean, for f's sake, what is going yeah. on?" Well, exactly. Like, it'd be so hard seeing that, especially being someone that won the Champions League last season to see your keeper have a blunder like that. And Adrian, all credit to him, might not be the best keeper in the league, but you know, like he's keep he's probably Premier League quality. He is. He was he was keeper at West Ham, though. Yeah, exactly. So you know, for him, oh, just oh, so frustrating, and that's. If those mistakes cost them points later in the season, that will come back to haunt them. Absolutely. And I, and I know keepers for Liverpool have been a bit of an interesting department for them over the past few years, with disregarding Allison, of course, but you've had your Mignolets. Never really, never really was settled, was he? And yeah, then we had the debacle of Carrius. And we're, oh, geez. Yeah. I would have to do the worst goalkeeping display I've ever seen. That was pretty horrific. That was horrific. Like, I felt so. I, I almost felt bad for him. He had to ship himself off to the Turkish League. Like, yeah, it was, I feel bad for him. His, his career is pretty much ruined. Yeah, shut the, down the social media. On the back, yeah, on the back of that. And it's it, going back to our point about racism, it just shows how much social media can affect these players these days. So Yeah. But... Yeah, Liverpool and their goalkeepers, there seems to be a bit of a conundrum there and something that they're going to have to really hope doesn't end up biting them on, biting them on the butt. Coming to the coming, Wrapping up the episode, I just I thought I'd throw it. Do you have anything else to add? Spit it out, mate. What do you mean, spit it out? <laughs> Stop mumbling. Oh, right. <laughs> All right, go on. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to the episode? Yeah, I do. I do. Last thing. Given you don't add anything normally. Oh, yeah, a bit stiff, <laughs> a bit stiff you reckon. How many games do you watch on the weekend? Three. How many games did you watch the first week? Three. You watch no, no. You watch zero and half of one. You watch half of the Wolves United game. I did not. You did. Yeah, I did actually. That was. We run a Premier League podcast, and you're watching one every two weeks. <laughs> no, that's not the way it yeah. works. It's the way you work. Nah, mate. Don't get rid of my credibility. Anyway, screw you. My uh, last thing I want to add is the Sheffield United boys. They're back. They're back. Back in the Premier League, and I love seeing these newly promoted sides. Hold their own in the league and hopefully, um, you know, they can stay up. So, uh, with that being said, we are all done and dusted for this episode. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at Premier League Nightclub and Twitter at EPL Nightclub. Sammy, you got anything to say? No? (laughs) Well, guys, cheers. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye. See you later.